everyone, and welcome to Time to Hire from the RPOA. Whether you're a seasoned talent acquisition professional or just starting in the field, Time to Hire provides an invaluable platform to expand your knowledge, learn from industry leaders, and stay up to date with the rapidly changing world of recruitment. I'm Lamis Aburama. In this episode, we talk about economic uncertainty and its effect on hiring. I'm thrilled to have our friends from Advanced RPO join us at the Time to Hire podcast. As a gold member of the RPOA and a leading provider of recruitment process outsourcing, Advanced RPO has worked with organizations of all sizes across the United States. They will be sharing their first-hand experiences and insights on how the current economic uncertainties in the U.S. are affecting recruiting. I would like to extend a warm welcome to Tanya Cohen, Director of Business Development, who will be introducing the panel and leading the discussion. Welcome, Tanya. Could you please tell us a little about yourself and your team? Absolutely. Thank you so much. We're very excited to be here today. My name is Tanya Cohen. I have been in the RPO and HR space for the last 18 years, and I help companies explore recruitment process outsourcing as a way to optimize their hiring programs. Today, I'm joined by two of my associates, Justin and David. And Justin, if you'll be so kind as to introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks, Tanya. I'm Justin King. I'm the Director of Solution Design here at Advanced RPO. I've been in the RPO space for right around 13 years. And really what I do is I speak to all different types of companies to understand their current hiring needs, where they want to go, problems, and then figure out how to get them there with a mixture of people, process, and technology. And I'll hand it over to David to introduce himself. Yeah, thanks, Justin. I'm David Griffiths. I've been in talent acquisition for over 12 years now. I've been on the recruiting side, uh, pricing and contracting, operations leadership, and been fortunate enough to solve a lot of hiring challenges over the years and really build a lot of uh, strong partnerships along the way. Thanks, David. So we're going to be discussing today as you mentioned, the economic uncertainty and its impact on talent acquisition. We're going to really dig into economic trends that we're seeing today, how the C-suite views hiring, the transformation that we've seen the last few years from the great resignation to the great stay, the U.S. vanishing workforce, as well as how RPO can help weather the ups and downs of hiring in these uncertain times. And then we have several minutes left at the end for any questions you may have. So feel free to engage with us in the chat features on Zoom or LinkedIn. We will um, get to all those questions as best we can. So let's kick things off by looking at those economic trends. And I'll uh, hand it off to you, Justin. All right. Thanks, Tanya. So really, when it comes to the economy and the current trends, we've been all over the board the last couple of years. Uh, we've seen inflation rise to heights not seen since the 1980s, uh, causing panic and making many brace for that crash landing of the economy. Uh, but since then, uh, it's retreated back down to where we are currently, which is about 3.8%. And while that's a major improvement, it's still 90% higher than the Fed's target of 2%. So speaking of the Fed, they have waged a veritable war on inflation uh, and have worked hard to cool down the economy by raising the Federal Reserve rates. Over the course of the last 16 months, we've seen the Fed rates go from a quarter percent on up to 5.5%, which is the highest that they've been in over 20 years. 
the reason for these rate hikes is pretty simple. It's to make money more expensive, which in theory should slow down consumer spending. However, consumer spending is still plugging away, uh, creating demand for more goods and services or competing for the existing goods and services, hence inflation cooling some, but not completely. And while the Fed seemed to be achieving its goal of reining in inflation, they're not quite done. And I would expect probably another quarter percent or so increase this year, still depending on the indicators that we see as the year goes on, uh, which, as we've seen, when rates are, are bumped up, that typically causes economists uh, and markets to assume a bleaker outlook. So Reuters has been polling economists since the start of the Fed's rate hikes, and the most recent poll showed that 40% of them are predicting a recession in the next 12 months. That sounds kind of high, but this is down from an overall high of 65%, meaning more and more economists are thinking that we're in for a softer landing uh, than a true crash, which a lot of times when we hear from economists, they tend to be more negative than positive on things because negative outlooks tend to sell a little bit better. Uh, at the end of the day, though, it's not the economist predictions that drive the economy. It's the consumers and the conference board tracks consumer confidence in a number of areas. And while overall consumer confidence has been sitting at levels that aren't alarming in any way, we are seeing a bit more perceived nervousness when looking forward via the consumer expectations index, uh, which this looks at short term outlooks for income, business growth and unemployment. Currently, we're at a rating of 80.2 and historically ratings of 80 or below signal recession coming within the next year. Uh, to round things out, uh, let's take a look at the SOM recession indicator shown in the middle of your screen. Uh, this directly ties into talent acquisition. The SOM indicator isn't one that a lot of people know, um, but it signals the start of a recession when the three-month moving average of the national unemployment rate rises by a half percentage point or more relative to its low during the previous 12 months. So as you can see uh, in the chart, this indicator has been pretty accurate in signaling the last four recessionary periods, which you can see in gray, and currently it shows no needs to worry. So overall, the economy keeps plugging away, despite what seems like major headwinds, which leave businesses and people in general kind of scratching their head on how to prepare for the future. I definitely like hearing no need to worry, but tell us, how do these economic trends really impact talent acquisition? Yeah, so just like everyone else and uh, the economy general kind of facing different headwinds and, and seeing some of that uncertainty and, and mixed signals, we see the exact same thing within individual organizations, especially when we look at the difference between the outlook of CEOs and CHROs. And, and David's going to tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So just like with the economy as a whole, we're seeing mixed signals uh, from within individual organizations, namely between the outlook of the CEOs and the CHROs when it comes to both hiring and talent acquisition. If we look at any organization, the CEO has the job of steering the ship. And while the CHRO has the job of making sure they're the right number of people with the right skills on board to keep that ship sailing. CEOs by nature tend to focus more than CHROs on external factors that are currently or could affect the business in the future. This could be a number of things. It could be increased competition, uh, legislation that's relevant to the industry, or in this case, the economy. 
Uh, CHROs, on the other hand, tend to be focused on putting and keeping the people in place to respond to the immediate or planned needs of the future or the business in the future. And this was shown uh, by a study done by the conference board that measured both CEO and CHRO sentiments on the talent market. And as you can see in the chart here, CHROs are much more optimistic and focused on reacting to the current business state, which as a whole is strong in most sectors. And we are not seeing a lack of demand from consumers. And that in turn is driving businesses to continue to perform very well. CEOs, on the other hand, are focusing more on those external unknowns, uh, making them look less at the at talent and more at preserving the business's strength and their overall ability to weather a possible downturn. Now, that doesn't mean that CEOs as a whole are looking to cut workforces. In fact, PwC recently did a survey of CEOs to understand the initiatives they were taking to combat, uh, combat the current economic situation. And in that survey, over half the respondents said they were currently looking to reduce operating costs to improve the bottom line. And they were raising prices to combat inflation. On the flip side, 56%, so they had no plan to implement hiring freezes, and around 60% said they're not considering reducing their workforce. So while we aren't seeing CEOs being optimistic on ramping up hiring or putting as much focus on it as in years past, as a whole, they don't seem to be focused on workforce contraction as a method of preservation. Thanks, David. So it sounds like retaining and hiring talent are still priorities. So let's take a look at the transformation we've seen from the Great Resignation to the Great Stay in recent years. The pandemic really fueled a historic level of workers quitting their job, which was coined as the Great Resignation. Simply put, people just wanted to stay home. Maybe they had to take care of their loved ones. Maybe the opportunity for remote work led to more job movement, which drove up higher wages. So in 2021 and 2022, 50 million people left their jobs. Now that uncertainty in the economy that we've been talking about translates into the candidate and talent market as well. According to the Wall Street Journal and many labor data sources, companies this year, as you have shared, have slowed hiring. They've posted fewer job openings. There's been a hesitation and the demand for labor has eased but these levels still remain elevated compared to pre-pandemic levels. So it's still a tight talent market out there. Now, the massive job movement, the exodus that we saw when the pandemic first started has really slowed down. So the great resignation has slowed. A couple of factors affecting that. One, wage growth has slowed. Back in 2022, switching a job led to an average pay increase of 16.4%. This year, that's less than half of that at 7.6%. Companies, they're also fatigued by all the wars for talent, all the bidding for talent that they've done. And pair that with the economic uncertainty, that hesitation is still very prevalent today. Job seekers, this, have less bargaining power as well. So, and the flip side, in addition to, employees also want job security. Amid all the headlines around inflation, a possible recession, bank failures, and layoffs, that's all led to the great stay, which we're in today, also known as the big stay. And so what's interesting is that it's the blue-collar workers that are first hit by economic turbulence, but the layoffs really affected white-collar workers most the recent time. 
So even though white and blue collar workers want job security, blue collar workers are actually seeing more job security today. Now, also more workers are returning to the workforce. Pure and simple, life has gotten expensive. I mean, I'm still shocked every time I go to the grocery store, I'm in the cereal aisle and I see a basic cereal like Cheerios costing six or $7 a box. So I know across the nation, people are feeling that pinch in their wallet. Um, and so workers are returning to contribute more to the household. Now, despite the fact that workers want more stability and more workers are returning, we're still not where we need to be. More workers have exited the workforce and continue to exit the workforce, which has really led to a vanishing workforce. And David will tell us more about the vanishing workforce in the U.S. Yeah, we've seen improvements in the overall labor participation rate. However, the, the data continues to support that both working age males and females are choosing to leave the workforce. And this trend is going to continue making it difficult to identify and hire the right talent. So it's important organizations recognize this and educate hiring managers on the reality of the, the overall labor market. If we look at the labor participation rate, which by definition is the percentage of people in the labor force or who are actively looking for work, um, less people are participating in the U.S. labor market compared to a couple of years ago. In February 2020, the labor participation rate was 63.4% and has since declined to 62.8% uh, in August of 2023. We saw participation rates drop heavily because of the pandemic. Uh, people couldn't return to work because businesses closed. Childcare costs increased, which led to more mothers staying home with their children. And there was an increase in unemployment benefits, which also kept people out of the job market. There's actually some interesting data about mothers leaving the workforce. Uh, this year, nearly 10,000 mothers were surveyed. And what they found was the number of stay-at-home moms has increased from 15% in 2022 to 25% in 2023. And of those surveyed, 64% of stay-at-home moms need a more flexible work schedule to return to work. And 52% of stay-at-home moms need more affordable childcare in order to return to work. Overall, some of the things that led to men leaving the workforce were early retirement options. Some chose to just focus more on their family and others just ventured off on their own. If you look at men aged 25 to 54, they've actually been dropping out of the workforce for decades. If the participation rate was at its 1990 level, there would be an additional 2.7 million men in the workforce today. So these trends and many others are going to continue to create uncertainty in the job market as we move forward. So with that uncertainty, companies are seeing more ups and downs in their hiring, more ebbs and flows throughout the year. So Justin's going to walk us through how can RPO really help companies weather the ups and downs due to maybe seasonality in hiring or the economic uncertainty that we're in the midst of today? Yeah. So over the years, I've had the opportunity to talk to hundreds of TA and recruiting leaders 
of companies of all shapes and sizes and about every industry. And I've yet to meet one that has hiring needs that are constant and steady month to month or even year over year. A number of things can cause hiring spikes and dips. It could be a slow economy, a new product launch or the sale or acquisition of a business unit. No matter the reason though, a company must be able to appropriately scale up or down to meet the needs in order to support their business and do so in an economical fashion. So the area that most people focus on when it comes to the ebbs and flows are are the peaks, which are shown here in red. And the majority of that focus is on those roles that fall outside of your internal team's capacity. Two ways to look at at internal capacity uh, could be the, the lack of resources to handle the current volume of openings, or it could be the lack of skills needed to recruit the level of roles that you need. And this leads to a number of issues like longer time to fill, poor hiring manager and candidate experiences, uh, potential recruiter burnout, a reliance on higher cost agencies, and overall less attention to detail, which means more mistakes are made. Now, on the flip side, the less discussed problem area for an internal hiring team lies within that yellow area of the chart. This is where your team has the capacities and skills needed, but where you see dips in your hiring needs, causing a lack of work for your internal team. Uh, that void of requisitions in the middle leads to carrying excess, excess uh, fixed costs, uh, as you have resources on your payroll that are not being utilized, and it can cause recruiter disengagement neither of which are good for any organization. Uh, the recruiter disengagement, honestly, is just about as dangerous as having your recruiters overworked because both sides of that, people tend to start looking at other places that they could apply their talents uh, and, and tend to start making some more churn. So the if we look at the bottom section of the chart in green, that shows where your internal team's efficient workload is. In other words, that's your company's true steady state hires. That's where an internal TA team is most effectively deployed as you can build and develop a recruiting team to cover these core hires and not worry about ramping up and down your team as hiring volumes change. Uh, that green line you see is also the ideal split between an RPO partner like Advanced RPO and your internal team. So while you and your team focus on your core steady state hires, uh, we're able to absorb both the peaks and valleys of your hiring needs. Our team uh, at Advanced becomes an extension of your internal team, and we bring you the skills, experience, and scalability uh, in recruiting to ensure that your business always has the talents it needs. So overall, while we've seen in, in all the data that we've been looking at, no one knows what the future holds. Uh, you ask one person, we're, we're going to see great growth. You see other people are going to tell you that the end is near. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, Advanced RPO is always going to be the, the partner to our clients to make sure they're ready no matter the situation. Yeah, recruitment agility is certainly important today. So a lot of the information that we shared today was actually part of our quarterly recruiting insights and employment trends report. Every few months, we go across the country pulling uh, insightful articles, labor data in order to put together this report. We also partner with our delivery teams who support various clients across multiple industries uh, around the United States and globally and what they're hearing from candidates, what they're hearing from clients. And we put it all together, compile it in an easy to read report that has a lot of insightful 
information that can help talent acquisition and HR leaders make better decisions as they plan for the future. So if you're interested in subscribing to this and getting it in your mailbox quarterly, uh, you can put your email address in the chat. You can reach out to any of us on LinkedIn, or you can email us at info at advancedrpo.com. And I see we have a few questions. Thank you, Tanya. The question here is, um, what have you seen companies doing to combat vanishing workforce and accommodate employee demand for more for more flexibility? Good question. Um, well, flexibility is definitely a key word. I feel like when the pandemic first started, everybody was pivoting, then it was flexibility, then it was agility. And so what we've seen is that, one, a company really needs to understand their workforce. What someone as a baby boomer defines as flexible is very different than what's flexibility to a Gen Xer, for example. I'll share something that our company does in particular. Um, and what we found is that when leadership supports it and it's a top-down approach, it's obviously going to be most effective. Our CEO, she added a tagline to the bottom of her signature, and it says something along the lines of, my work hours may not be the same as your work hours. Do not feel obligated to respond to communications outside of your working hours. The future of work is here, and that's flexible. And that was a bold statement and really led to the cultural change that we saw, um, really setting the tone for we know what we need to deliver for our clients and we have the flexibility to do so and still lead our full lives and be productive um, in every aspect of our life. So that's just one example. I don't know if David or Justin, you have any others to share? Yeah, I mean, I just think overall, it's it's understanding your workforce and what that flexibility means, because there's going to be certain roles that flexibility isn't going to be the same. If we're talking a factory position, working from home isn't going to be something that you can do. But when we look at some more salaried roles where it is possible, I think that's something that's going to always be strong. But sometimes flexibility is allowing for <clears throat> childcare, like we saw with the mothers gone missing. Having the flexibility to have an option there on site or nearby can be a big thing as well. And just overall understanding at the end of the day that human resources is truly about humans. You know, we're talking about people, you know, and you need to to treat them as people. And if you look at that and understand who your who your target, you know, candidate or employee audience is, they'll tell you what they need. Not everything can you accommodate, but it's smart to listen and treat them as people. Thank you. And um I would uh, want to say I I saw that tagline in your CA's CEO's uh, signature and it made me think that is really a neat thing and um somebody who does appreciate that flexibility. Another question um, is regarding economic factors in particular, what economic factors have the greatest impact on hiring? Yeah, that's that's an interesting one because it's kind of open. So we went over some today. And honestly, at the end of the day, the economic factors that will cause businesses to either expand or contract are going to be the most important. So depending on the time frame, it's going to change a little bit. Right now, inflation is one of the biggest ones. Like I talked about, the, the Fed's goal is to make money more expensive to 
keep people from spending as much. When money isn't being spent, that means that everybody slows things down some. We'll see less jobs created. We'll see unemployment come up some. And overall, we'll see less being produced from both goods and services. So that's a big one to look at. Right now, that's the one that's driving things most. Uh, the one that most people look at is unemployment, but unemployment's based on other things. So, so things like inflation, overall GDP, uh, which means how much we're out putting into the overall economy, those are the biggest ones uh, that we tend to see end up having a true impact on uh, on hiring overall. You told us there was nothing to worry about, Justin. So we have that recorded. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, nothing to worry about. <laughs> but we should, always, we should always be cautious about things and, and keep our eyes open. All right. I, another good question here. Um, and the question is, uh, being that we went from the great resignation to the great stay, how are companies attracting talent if they are more inclined to stay put? Okay. Yeah. and so. It's uh, it's kind of a continuation of business as usual, except you have to change your thought process a little bit because during the great resignation, I would say probably the majority of the workforce on their lunch hour was looking at LinkedIn, Indeed, and other places, actively seeing what's out there. And that's kind of a snowball effect that that's not uncommon. It's the keeping up with the Joneses, if you will. Someone else just got a new job and somehow has a new car in the driveway. They want to do the same thing. So people were much more active with it. Now we need to look at those passive candidates, the ones that are not actively out there searching. So the way you go about attracting first is to find the people. Uh, and so going out there and actively searching and doing more hands-on sourcing to drive your funnel is going to be key. And then after that, you know, the flexibility side of things is something we see coming up over and over again. The security side of things, you know, making sure that these uh, these candidates understand, you know, that you're in it for the long haul as well. And then also, Sometimes when we see people hesitant to leave, that means that they don't want to give up what they have. So companies would be uh, would be well served to look at what the candidates current benefit packages are and see how we can can match or at least get close to those. A lot of times we see things like vacation policies that say, you know, everybody starts out at two weeks. Well, someone has four weeks and you want them to come back. That's going to be tough when they weren't already looking. So overall, what you offer, uh, because we know the the compensation growth has slowed, is something you need to focus on when you're trying to attract those employees that are not really looking for a new job. And I think there's been a trend to kind of boomerang employees, employees that might leave and then return. And so nurturing the talent markets that you've built and the employees that you've had in the past really helps helps uh, talent acquisition and the business as a whole as well. Very good. And uh, one, last, I'm going to end with this uh, big picture question, and this is uh, something I'm, I'm interested to know your perspective. Uh, according to new RPO research report from the RPOA that will be released uh, within the next few weeks, the data shows that 40% of employers using RPO, they prefer to... Um, receive labor market analysis from their RPO partners. That's something they're looking for. This is also consistent with recent research findings from Everest Group 
where they highlighted market intelligence as one of the emerging themes of RPO. So RPO evolved from just hiring into additional services that can be offered by RPO providers. As an RPO provider, advanced RPO, can you share some of the labor market analysis that clients are asking for and what is it that you offer your clients? Yeah, uh, so it, it always kind of depends on the the client on what they're asking for, and a lot of times, honestly, we don't get as many asks as what you would think because they don't know that it's an option. So we're pretty proactive when it comes to data and how we employ it because really, anytime you're looking at recruiting, it should start with data. If you don't understand the market that you're in, uh, the demographics that you're recruiting from, you're going to have a hard time putting together a good overall strategy. So what we like to look at is a lot of that labor market data to understand what the salary range, appropriate salary range is. I always tell people that only one employer in a market can pay the most and only one can pay the least. And you don't want to be either one. You know, so <laughs> you want to be in that 75 percentile range if you really want to be competitive and make sure that you're paying an efficient wage, which means you're not overpaying for talent, but you're going to be able to attract the appropriate level. We also want to know if you have diversity uh, goals. Is this a, a role that is likely to have diversity uh, can diverse candidates and, and where are we going to find them? So looking at some of the def demographics around it so we can set appropriate expectations up front and also be a bit consultative. Uh, the geography, who you're or where you're looking, does the does the town even exist? Uh, who the competition are, you know, so a lot of times people look at who they compete with in business rather than who they compete with for talent overall, not always the same thing. So just that's kind of a, a baseline. It always depends. But then also when we look at overall uh, with our quarterly insights uh, reports and uh, and some things like that, it's kind of a broad spectrum, but we really focus in on the labor market. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Time to Hire podcast from the Recruitment Process Outsourcing Association. Give us a review wherever you listen to the podcast and always stay connected, stay engaged, and stay informed of what's happening in the talent and recruiting world by tuning into the RBOA, the place to go for RBOs.